Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'll start. My name is Rod. And I like to party. So you mean whiskey? What? You're saying it weird. Saying what weird? All of it. Where do you get off? Hey, hey, welcome to the Church Planter Podcast. You're with me, Robert Frazier, your host, and Tim Galley. How's it going, man? Not too bad, not too bad. Yeah, man. Well, I'm, uh, we're supposed to be recording and I should be on my laptop, but instead I'm sitting outside of a Walgreens, um, around the corner from my house. I, I got like the worst possible diagnosis from a medical provider today. The worst, the worst possible diagnosis. You ready for this? Yeah. So, uh. I've been having problems with my ankle the last 10 days. I, it hurts all the time. And at first I thought, oh, it's just a little tweak or whatever, but I didn't remember hurting it. And I was just like, oh, something must've happened. It must've been in my sleep or, you know, whatever. And so I played a soccer game on it. I played a round of 18 holes of golf on it. And I played like three hours of pickleball on this ankle. And I thought, well, it's either going to get worse or get better. And it just stayed the same throughout the whole thing and has been steadily just hurting a little bit more every day. And the last three days we were up camping uh, with my extended family. So we go up in the mountains. And at this point, by the time we leave, I'm pretty certain that I have a stress fracture. Okay. That's like, that's it, it's bone pain. You know, it's that like it's inflamed and it's throbbing sort of like that bone pain. Yeah, I mean, you've been a seminary. You should be able to self-diagnose. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm related. My wife is a medical provider, but she's ear, nose, throat, so she's no help at all. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and I've hurt this ankle probably 18 times. I've brought, I've broken it once, and I've sprained it literally maybe 18 to 20 times. And I, I go in today after camping. Like I wince every time I've walked for the last like five days. I go in, they do the x-rays, the doctor comes to the room and she goes, it's horrible turning 40, isn't it? And I go, wait, what? 
And she goes, here, let's look at the x-rays. And she pulls it out and she goes, see here, you're supposed to have cartilage at the bottom of your tibia. Yeah. There's, there's none there. You see this little pocket right here? That's arthritis that's been developing there for years. See this part over here? That's an old injury that still hurts and probably will hurt the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> so like the, the diagnosis was you're old and your, your body's going to hurt the rest of your life. And I was like, Honestly, I'd rather get cancer and die. Let's just, oh, no. Just, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So, so I, met, I met the pharmacy literally waiting for like old man um, anti-inflammatories because, you know, Advil and Tylenol aren't good enough for this. I've got I've to step up into the arthritis medicine. So, yeah, that's, that's how my day is going, Tim, in case you're wondering. So, so this means like you need to wear like, you know, like these like really heavy white socks with like orthopedic sandals. Is that, <laughs> is that next? <laughs> yes, that's exactly. I'm going to wear compression socks and stable sandals for the rest of my life. Oh, that's awesome. That no, is awesome. no, actually, like in one way, it's good news because it's just pain. Like there's I'm not breaking. I'm not getting it worse by using it. So they're basically like, we're going to help you manage the pain. And maybe a steroid injection would like take away a bunch of the inflammation so that you're not in pain. I'm like, okay, let's roll. So here we are, man. Man, I, I can't help but feel like had had you not gone on sabbatical, you, you you never would have gone to the doctor and got this news. And so like, the sabbatical like forced you to stop. And now you discover that you're old. Sabbaticals are bad. Sabbaticals are bad. This is this is clear. Everyone who's been watching me is sabbaticals ruin your life by making you stop and realize the pain you're in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I can't wait till we find out next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. How are you doing, man? What have you been up to? Um, well, I'm doing great because I haven't gone to the doctor. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I no bad news there. Uh, no, um, no, we're doing well. You know, I, I feel like the summer is is off to a good start for us. Our kids went to our version of Vacation Bible School Week. Um, our daughters went there the other week. And um, it's funny because, like, all the, they send you an email with all the themes that they cover for that day. And, you know, like, one of them is that, like, you know, Jesus loves you unconditionally. And so, like, I prepare myself with the questions that I'm going to ask my, you know, my now almost third grader and my now almost sixth grader and the third grader, you know, like, Hey, like, what did you learn? What did you hear today? And she's like, I want to ask you questions about Satan. It's <laughs> 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 not in the email at all, but okay. What do you got? What are they teaching you at this vacation? Bus? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who are you sitting next to is what I want to know. Um, so I, we had all these like, intense theological conversations about like you know demons and lucifer and then, then like kind of like all like these christian urban legends that they pick up from from these places and we don't go to that type of a church so no, i don't no, know like, no. where all this is coming from but <laughs> that was kids week um now my kids yeah. have a robust understanding of both pneumatology and demonology um okay. and then my uh my 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 son, who's going to eighth grade, uh, he's up at a camp up in New Hampshire with uh, his cousin and a bunch of other close friends. Uh, so I'm bracing myself uh, for, for what he's going to come back with. 
And then my uh, oldest son is about to go on uh, a mission trip to Philadelphia. Uh, we call them cross-cultural learning experiences to kind of break out of the, uh, the student mission trip kind of kind of typical narrative type of thing. But um, we're just trying to convert that. convert Phillies fans so they don't punch horses when they win Super Bowls. Is that is that kind of the unfortunately the Philly Philly fans are beyond redemption, brother. <laughs> at this point it's just triage who can we save before they fall in love with sports because that's that's the real <laughs> you know i know there's one philly fan listening to this podcast um i don't mean you i love you buddy <laughs> it's all the other people <laughs> wait, wait wait who is it who's the philly fan that's listening <laughs> is, is church planter extraordinaire evan curry all right evan curry if you uh if you drop us a note, we will make sure to make a donation in your honor to savingphiladelphiafans.com. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, uh great Scott. It's time for this week's topic. That's the uh, the old the old uh That's Christopher uh it's, it's from uh uh, back to the future yes back to the future yeah great scott yeah uh so this week's topic we're gonna dive in because we uh i'm sitting in a truck and who knows how long my pharmacy is gonna take <laughs> preparing my old man for sure actually here's i gotta i'm gonna finish up back time with this so the doctor she comes in she's talking about you know i just turned 40 this year and she's kind of teasing me but she goes your life expectancy is probably in your late 90s and i go shut up I want to die at 85. I want my body to just crumble into a into a into a, a pile of human flesh at 85. Just used up. I want every. I don't. Have you ever seen people in their 80s and 90s? Like it looks, it looks horrible. Why would you ever say you're going to live into your late 90s? Yeah. Why did she say that? I don't know why she said it, but she made it sound like it was like the scientific fact. I don't know if you know. My, I have I have overall good health. You know, like I, I don't have any high blood pressure, diabetes, you know, I don't have any, uh, I guess, you know, heart disease. I never go to the doctor because I don't get sick. You know, like maybe, sure. I don't know. Maybe she knows something. Maybe she had like this vision. <laughs> You're going to live to 99 like John on Patmos all alone. <laughs> <laughs> With your robotic legs. <laughs> your bionic <laughs> legs. <laughs> I was thinking, how long is it going to take for them to develop a... Uh, a full ankle replacement that, that articulates well enough. Am, I, am, I, am I young enough to see that in my lifetime? Who knows? Hopefully All right. So. This week's topic is we're going to do a, a series probably next four or five months. And it's going to be all about the journey from, I, I would almost call it inception. Like, and it, it really is God literally plants this idea in your mind about your call and the direction he's 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 giving you to launch this new expression of the kingdom of god in community and you you feel like you've got to take your life and and give it to this thing so we'll call it inception to launch which is like that first public meeting that you invite people into who are not a part of your quarantine so however you formulate that from inception to launch we're going to talk about that startup phase and we're going to try to give you a ton of value, but not so much in the functions of church planting, the nuts and bolts. We can get into some of that stuff if you guys want to. 
<clears throat> drop us a note on the website if you want to talk some more about specific questions. But what I really want to talk about is the heart and the soul of the church planter, because if you are becoming who you're meant to be, and if you are listening to the Father's voice like you're meant to, and if you are going where the Father is sending you, and if you're doing what he's telling you to do, then the church plant is going to happen because you're participating in the work of God in the world. And that's what we're trying to help you do. So this week, I want to talk about kind of the very beginning is this real clear divide. A lot of people dive into church planting because they love organizational leadership. They love the idea of stepping in and being the guy who makes the decisions. And a lot of times they tend to be people who are very strategic, people who have who are creative, have great ideas, can lead teams. And so they see church planting as an opportunity to dive into that gifting. And as an apostle, probably apostle evangelist, those are the people who tend to have those gifts. You're probably really excited about how are we going to do this thing and, and getting getting all sorts of, you, you probably have a binder, a notebook full of ideas, and you've, you've sketched out your organizational chart that doesn't even exist yet. You've got 15 people in your org chart, and <laughs> you, haven't even, you haven't even gotten your wife on your launch team yet. Like, that's that's how far, like, you, Love it. You, haven't, you haven't even started yet. Um, and then there's other people who, they're probably apostle prophets, and these these are these are poor, unfortunate souls who have a deep belief that everything they do has to be a direct word from God. And they're always waiting on the father's voice and it's only spirit. It's I'm going, I'm going to rely on the spirit completely for every step of the way and never, never going to rely on human wisdom at all. And there's this tension between these two directions that people come from. Are you going to be the type of leader that's going to rely on great strategy? Who's going to learn the wisdom of, of those who have gone before you, who is going to pay attention to the cultural moment that you're speaking into and use thoughtful analysis to find inroads for the gospel? Or are you going to be the type of leader who is going to walk along just like, I mean, you, you pick whichever leader you want from the New Testament. Uh, let, let's, let's talk about Philip. Philip on, on the road, he's, he's literally walking along reading uh, he's walking along the road to uh, to Egypt and this chariot passes him this Sudanese uh, you know prince or uh, you know it's it's this high official in the Sudanese government basically or the um, south what do they call it? Ethiopian government yeah Ethiopian yeah Ethiopian yeah they, they were they were much more of like a kingdom in that in that era. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the Ethiopian guy walks up and Philip literally gets overrun with God's invitation as he's reading Isaiah as he drives by. And Philip has to respond. He just has to step into what comes. And he was responsive to the Spirit's call. And some of you are waiting around because you believe, I believe that God's going to bring something and I just have to wait for it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Does that sound good? Uh, attention to those two things all right strategy and spirit let's go all right so tim when i when i talk about strategy and spirit are, do you have archetype leaders in your head that you're thinking of yeah i think so 
I think so. I mean, like in the church world, you know, I mean, we, we were just, we had some inside jokes going on before we uh, press record on the call, but, um, you know, people that I respect and admire are, are, are folks like Andy Stanley. I, th- I feel like I learned a thing or two uh, on leadership uh, from him. Uh, there's this other guy and, that and I- in some ways, and Andy's like a master strategist. Like he, he, he sees the edges of everything and knows how to navigate through it. He has, he has practical wisdom. We can all draw. Right. Excellent. Agreed. Um, there's this other guy I've been listening to a lot um, named Steve Cuss, and he t- has a podcast called Managing Leadership Anxiety, and he's got a mm-hmm. website called Cuss Words. His last name is Cuss. Cuss Words. Clever. I like that he leans into that, man. You, yeah. you can't run away from it. You got to lean right into that. And he's kind of like a, a wounded healer type where, you know, he, he, he was like in a in a thousand you know, staff meetings and elders meetings and like just a normal church, like nothing, nothing, you know, nothing like North Point type of a thing. And he just has this normalcy about his experience that he's able to talk to talk about. Um, and when it comes to like managing leadership anxiety that that I think many people can relate to. So I, I, I would I would start off with those two and maybe maybe Ruth Haley Barton would be would be another voice. Um that I think about that who, who's I feel has shaped me in recent years on leadership. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Who, who, who would be in your, uh, in your trifecta or Rushmore, what, however many you want. The Rushmore. Um, you know, it's funny because people who write books in general tend to be people who are very strategic. They tend to be people who are very clear about why they're doing what they're doing yeah. and have, Yep. You know, they're type A drivers who know why they're doing what they're doing and how it fits in with the larger picture of influence and of taking and stewarding what God's given them. So like most people who are writers have some part of that. And every once in a while, you run into one where you're like, this person is a terrible writer, but I want all of, I want everything they have to say huh. because you can tell. And you know, one of those guys who is, who's just an oddball, but I, I see this sort of uh, openness to the world and expectation of the kingdom of God coming is Bob Goff. You know, Bob Goff, you know, love those Bob. guys. Sure. Sure. You know, he, he's like one of those guys where every, every story starts with, so I'm sitting there and my phone rings. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and someone walks by and they're wearing a baseball cap that was, my you know high school baseball cap from you know like whatever that the story is always him him responding to the reality of the world around him and he's not a great writer but he's he's this powerful voice of presence everywhere he goes there's like this expectation that god is unfolding a story and he's he's trying to find his place in it so i'd say he's he's a lot like that um i think i think a voice like richard foster um, is is mm. going to be asking the question, what is God saying and what am I going to do about it? Rather than what's the most strategic way to use these resources. <laughs> so, I, so I think that that listening, um, I like that. you know, a guy, you know, a guy who's like does spiritual formation stuff, but isn't that way at all to me is Pete Scazzaro. Have you ever heard Pete Scazzaro talk? Absolutely. He talks all about like being a non-anxious presence 
and like all that he's learned in spiritual formation. And yet when I listen to him, I feel anxious because he's like a fast talking New Yorker. <laughs> and he like, he's like, you know, it's so funny how a lot of those guys don't embody, you know, what they're talking about. But now those are some of the voices. And actually this week I had a dear friend who's a missionary in the Muslim world. He stayed with us. And it's funny because he and I love each other. We've been friends. I discipled him as a college student 12, 19 years ago. and we've been friends ever since and we are so so different because he is a uh he is a go with the flow guy there's there's literally just like he he does not care about the practicality or about um he he looks at a problem and goes well let's see what god does and he's all all i'm doing when i see a problem is trying to fix it for god and all Mm -hmm. he's doing is trying to go Hey, let's not stress about it. Let's see what God's going to do. And mm-hmm. so when I'm with him, it feels like there's this, like, I realize how far I am on the, on the strategy side when I think about it, rather than someone who pays attention and listens to the Father and sees what he's up to. Now, now I will say I, I have learned a lot over the years, primarily because somewhere along the way, it was probably, probably 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. Um, I read John chapter 16, where Jesus talks about, I only do what the father tells me. And I said, I want to be, I want to be like my rabbi Jesus. And that's what he does. Mm. And so I've been on this journey to figure out how do I do that? How do I only do what the father says, just like Jesus only did what the father said. And when you look at Jesus's life, you don't see an overt strategy taking place, which, which should be a, that should be, that should give us all pause when we think about how strategy focused the modern Christian evangelical church planting world is, how much we rely on strategy and technique and our ability to overcome problems through ingenuity and creativity rather than waiting on the father and waiting on the spirit's movement ahead of us. When we, when we started planting uh, eight years ago, our first, our first set of prayers was basically God moved before us and show us the way. Don't, don't take our will and, and give it your blessing. We want to be in the slipstream of your kingdom's work. We want to, we want to, we want to walk where you're going. And as a church planner, that's exactly what we have to do. It cannot be about our will. It cannot be about our vision. It cannot be about our strategy. And God's going to give you vision and God's going to give you strategy. And God has like given me a particular way of existing in the world, a particular set of passions, a particular set of friends, uh, a particular set of connections that are going to lead me places. But all of those things are in service to not the strategy, but the king himself. And so I, I'm reading a book right now. It's a, it's actually, it's Lawrence of Arabia. And it's about um, T.E. Lawrence, who, who crafted most of Britain's Middle East policy. And he, he united this band of Arab um, muftas to create this national identity of, of the Arabian Peninsula between 1819 and 
1919 and 1940. And I'm, I'm reading it. And, and what, what you realize is that these, these governments in, in 1919, after World War I, they're trying to split up the world map into a way that would benefit the British Empire primarily. Okay. And so they sent off all these young guys, these young bucks, rich young men who could spend their years adventuring. And they sent them off and told them what to do. And then they didn't, they couldn't get word back quickly from the people who were in charge of them. And the people who were in charge of them in Britain didn't have a way to get a hold of them and change their direction. And so they were given kind of carte blanche a hundred years ago to do what they want to fulfill their mission. And I think with church planting, a lot of times we think God gave me a vision, which is to plant a church. Therefore, I'm going to do that. And if he wants to try to direct me along the way, maybe I'll listen to him. Like I'm, I'm, I'm headed this direction. If he wants to stop me, he can stop me. Or I have my marching orders. I'm going to do it until he tells me to do something else. That's probably the, the more generous way of saying it. But what we see in Jesus is that when he showed up on the scene and started his ministry, when you see Paul start his ministry, they're deeply abiding in the presence of the Father so that they can be sensitive to his voice. And I think that's the sort of strategy we're talking about is my strategy is to be so close to my father, so close to my commanding officer, that when he whispers, my head turns and I, my direction is shaped by the words that come from his mouth. Love it. Tracking with you here. So the question I was forming in my head as you were talking, um, you, you started to answer it here at the end. Um, so I, I'm I'm one of those people who, anytime there's a dichotomy, I'm always trying to figure out like, is this a false dichotomy? Um, uh-huh. So like, you know, generally it's always, you know, is it strategy or spirit? And well, it's a, it's always a healthy balance of the two. So I, I I know we're I know we're saying that. However, there's going to be somebody who listened to this podcast who's going to be like, oh man, I've been doing this all wrong. I've been strategizing. And really, all I need is the Holy Spirit. I don't even need this podcast. Thank you. And like, and we're gonna end it like right here, right here. They just stopped listening, and we lost the listener. Right we lost it. Yes. Um, well, we lost a, a few listeners because we, you know, we said awful things about Phillies fans. So it's been. A, we, hopefully, we can gain some ground. Um, so I, I like this part that you just said here, where like the strategy is being amongst the points of the strategy is that we're being attentive to the Spirit's leading and to the, to the Father's voice. Um, that said, how would you counsel somebody who's, who's about to throw strategy completely out the window? Because like there is, there is an importance of logistical strategy as well. So it's like, help us find some balance there. Yeah, and I, I think that you know me well enough to, to say that I'm a leader who thinks about how things fit together and I'm a strategic leader. That's the, the way that I approach something is I'm going to do it the best way I can sure. with, with the resources I have in front. And so I'm, I would never say throw strategy out the window, but I would say strategy is always subservient to vision and the Lord's voice. And so the way that we implement something should be filled with this practical wisdom, but I would say that it's much less about 
um, overall strategy, like the X's and O's, the playbook, um, you know, the the roadmap for success in a church plan. Because you can you can find guys who will give you, hey, here's how to launch large and have 300 people by the third year. And they'll give you that playbook and they'll teach you how to do all the techniques of um, part, partly evangelism, partly promotion, partly advertising, partly design, um, partly teaching, you know, like, like a combination yeah. of techniques that will get you what you want. But what we're talking about is overall direction is something that comes from the father and he he gives you the direction and then he also has given you a playbook of the way that we do ministry and that is the way of the kingdom and what happens a lot of time in church planting is that someone comes along and says i've got the vision from god now i'm going to take the strategies of this world and i'm going to use my influence and my money and my connection with people to get to where God wants to go. It doesn't matter how it happens. I can use manipulation and I can use shame and I can use coercion and I can use wealth and I can use um, my charm. powerful position and my char oh, charm. I can, I can use my, my ability to woo others to get where we're going to go. Yep. And God doesn't really even need to be a part of the second part. He gave me the vision. Now I'm going to go do it. Yep. And a lot of times that's easy to justify, right? God gave me a vision and he gave me all these tools. But the problem is those tools aren't tools of the kingdom. They're tools of this world. And when you use your charm, at some point your charm runs out and people look and say, was any of this part of God if you were just using your woo to get me to do what you want me? Absolutely. Yeah. You know? we, we discover that we're following a very impressive person, but we're not actually following a spiritual leader who's dependent on following Jesus. And, and that's what yeah. I was signing up for. I was signing up to grow in Jesus. And I was really excited to have a leader who was humble enough to realize that that person needed to follow Jesus too. And we were doing this together. He was a guide or she was a guide on the journey. Um, and then when you just find out, oh, actually, they're just talented, <laughs> which is great. Uh, but talent, charm, all those things, they run out. Strategy runs out. All right. Love it. I got I got a personal question for you. And I, I didn't prep you on this. But um, as you've been church planting these last eight years, can you come up with an example of a time where you over-strategized? Uh, perhaps you thought about something over and over and over. It was a brilliant strategy. Um, but then on the other side of it, you realize you either over-engineered it um, or you realize it lacked empathy uh, or you just became convicted that, that, that this was a failure as, as strategic as it was. It was actually a failure in, in what we're talking about here. Any, anything come to mind? Yeah. Actually, the, the same issue came up twice. And I, I think it'll probably speak to a lot of people. When you're church planting and you <clears throat> have yet to find permanent space, real estate becomes a, a fallback to all of your strategy comes down to where you meet and what time you meet. And so... 
when we were early on our journey, we were looking for a place and I was trying to trust the Lord and trust that he was going to bring something along. And at the same time, I'm, I'm doing all of this time on colliers.com and LoopNet, trying to find commercial space and trying to figure out how I can find a piece of property that will bring in some revenue so that we can afford the rent. And I'm, I'm trying to manipulate and find all of these spaces that are going to work for us. And, and it's going to be in the right corner of the right um, strip mall so that we have good business, you know, like all of those strategy things that come with space. Right. And, and that's fun stuff. It's honestly some of the most fun work you're going to find in the world. And that's why I do some real estate developments. I really enjoy that work. But what I realized is that all of that was about my ingenuity and my ability to solve the problem. And what, what someone told me early on in my journey is that real estate is spiritual warfare in church planting. Oh, wow. Like it, it literally is nothing you have control over. Um, most of the time it's, it's controlled by interests who do not share any of your values at all. And you are completely at the mercy of God and the market that's, that's in front of you. Mm. And so we started to pray that God would provide a place. And we said, God, we're going to trust that you're going to provide something, not, not us. And what happened was he brought us along to this church that wasn't using most of their building. And they had, they had a gym space that was old and it was styled like the old um, Staples Center, like the LA Forum Staples Center, kind of like styling from the 70s and 80s. And we were like, okay, I guess this is this is where we're going to meet. Uh, and in the midst of this, the most ugly place that you can imagine, God birthed this little community. This, this group of, you know, now 150, 200 people who are learning the way of Jesus and living on mission alongside God. And no matter how much strategy I put into it, it wasn't going to find, it wasn't going to create something that would be better than whatever God had for us. Yeah, yeah. And then along the way, what happened was I was worried that we weren't going to have a place long term. And so I tried to manipulate a way to get that church to let us have their building because they were dying. This is dying congregation. And along the way, God would continue to kind of like poke me and say, you're trying to use your tools of negotiation and money and power and shame to get them to do something you want them to do. And it may be nothing to do with what I want. And that conviction was this constant work of I'm over strategizing something God has a plan for. At the same time, we got kicked out of that building. They, they quadrupled our rent and pushed us out nine months ago. Actually, a year ago this month. And we, we had to kind of go on a quick journey. We had 90 days to find a new place. And what I realized real quickly is I can strategize again and I can try to figure out something that's going to work for us. But God has a, a better a better plan than, than what I'm going to have. And sorry, my, my wife's trying to call me in the middle of our, of our Zoom call. <laughs> um, We're wrapping so, up. Anyway. Yeah, so, so that's really what it comes down to for me is strategy is really important. But it's much more important in the ways that we do things rather than what we do. Because what we do, the things that God brings before us, the people he places us in front of, the opportunities for ministry that come along, he's going to, he's going to show you 
what he wants. And it's going to be a combination of the, the openness and opportunities in front of you. Uh, we, we see in, in the word that the, the stories of gospel openness start with God's prompting. So the Macedonian man in Paul's vision is God speaking directly, say, it's time to go to Macedonia. It's mm. time to go. Um, you've got Peter's vision with Cornelius. God saying, your ministry is going to be to free the Jewish people and Gentiles among you from the strictures of the law. Um, you see all throughout Acts and, and Jesus's ministry, a sensitivity to what the Lord's doing. And you see Jesus is constantly interrupted by the needs around him. Rather than strategizing about when he's going to go to Jerusalem, he just says, that's not where the Lord's taking us next. That's not where the Father's going next. We're going to wait. He has his timing and I'm going to wait on it. And I think that strategy comes down to we want to move faster than God wants to move. And the spirit says, I want to be with you in the midst of it. Because if I'm not with you, it doesn't matter. And so that's, that's where I want to land today is if the spirit's not with you in your church plant, and if you're not listening to the father, why are we doing it? Is it just merely some sort of a vanity exercise mm. about us creating something? Because if we really want to see God's kingdom come, it starts with the king getting his way in our lives and in our leadership and us laying down our pet projects and our, um, you know, you've got that great, brilliant, creative idea you've been saving up for a while, that outreach that God has just like planting your head. And you want to pull it out to impress people, but God wants to use it to transform the world around you. So are you going to wait on his timing or are you going to press it forward because you want to show people how impressive your ideas are? Those, those are the risks that we have. You know. Yeah, brother, that's a great first, uh, first part to uh, this ongoing series. Um, putting strategy in its proper place uh, so we can follow the Holy Spirit. I like how you articulated all that. Well done. Yeah. Well, we're, we'll talk some more about that because I, I think that the way that we do church planting is actually more important than if, if we do church planting. The way that we do it is actually how we're formed in the way of the kingdom. So we're going to talk a lot about that along the way. All right, man. That's all it right. for today. Um, next week we're gonna have an interview, and then uh, in two weeks you and I will get back together, and we'll we'll do another one in part of the series. Any, any last words, man, before we go? I keep waiting for the uh, the CVS worker to bring your cane to your window, but um, I'm disappointed that no one has showed up to uh, to your, your driver's side there. You, you see where I'm at? I'm, <laughs> I'm at the parking lot. <laughs> they, they can't find you. <laughs> I'm at. I'm at O'Reilly Auto Parts. I got to pull around to the drive-through. <clears throat> so, so funny. all right, I'm gonna go get my old man medicine. <laughs> and uh, all you, all of our listeners, all six of you who are still there, remember: if you want to reach the people no one else is reaching, you've got to listen to the Father and go where no one else is going and do what no one else is doing. See you later, yeah, friends. Amen. <laughs>